When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's Wednesday, September 22nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the Indians uh, struck early and then sort of held on uh, behind Cal Quantrill on Tuesday, uh, snapped a three-game losing streak, and wound up uh, beating the Kansas City Royals. Uh, actually, a two-game losing streak, right? Uh, beating the Kansas City Royals. Uh, four to one at Progressive Field uh, behind Yu Chang and Ernie Clement on offense. And uh, again, the story was Cal Quantrill on the mound uh, going six and two thirds and only allowing one run. Yeah, Quantrill is just keeps rolling out quality starts after quality starts. Uh, he's got nine straight at home. He's seven and one since the All-Star break. Uh, Joe, you wrote a story earlier in the week about him, you know, <laughs> kind of coming in the back door as a, as a, as a Cy Young candidate. And geez, this kid had been uh, in the rotation from the get-go from opening day where, you know, and he had pitched like this, where would he be? But he's, he's had a great finishing kick here and uh, just uh, the sky's the limit for this guy coming in, going into next season, I think. Right. And, and the thing is, it's like, he was a, a top 10 draft pick uh, by the, by the Padres. He, he was a high pick out of Stanford. He'd always been a starter. This was sort of the promise of his career the whole time is finally being realized now that he's getting a regular chance to be uh, a, a top of the rotation starting pitcher. Uh, as long as he's able to come back and, and repeat that, you, you would expect that uh, this is a, a piece that you can have in your rotation the next two, three, four years uh, and, and get this kind of production. Yeah. And, you know, he, he kind of changes his attack. You know, he's, he's got, you know, multiple pitches. Uh, I think he's got like five different pitches. He uses them all. Um, and, uh, you know, his confidence, he, I mean, he just looks like a totally different guy, uh, you know, since really kind of feeling his way coming out of the bullpen when they had the Indians had the injuries and they had to really kind of, you know, put uh, scotch tape that uh, rotation back together again. And now he looks like uh, he's been out there his whole career. He looks like he's been an ace his whole career. Right. And don't forget, he was probably one of their best relievers coming into, yeah. you know, at, at the beginning of the season, he, he was getting the job done and getting big outs in high leverage situations 
uh, in the, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh innings of games early in the season. And then they took basically what was one of the strengths of their bullpen and put him into the, the starting rotation when the injuries happened. And now he's a strength of their starting rotation. Uh, yeah. The, the confidence that you said is it, he exudes it. And uh, Ernie Clement said after the game, you know, it's easy to play behind him because of the excitement and the passion that you, you get out of Cal Quantrill. And, you know, he's not one to shy away from showing his emotion when a, 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 a teammate makes a great play or, you know, he gets a big strikeout. He's, he, he, and, and some of the, uh, the opposing players and managers don't like to see that kind of emotion, but Cal Quantrill isn't backing down from anybody. Uh, the, the thing that, that stood out for me when, you know, when I first started to dig in on, on Cal Quantrill and we talked to um, uh, Carl Willis, the pitching coach earlier in the season, he said, that Cal Quantrill's his his right arm has been touched by God. He uh, he has a gift in that right arm uh, with the with his sinker, and that's his that's his pitch. Uh, you know, he he throw he, when he was a reliever, he threw it a lot more than he he did as because he kind of got to uh, limit your repertoire as a pitcher as a as a reliever. Uh, he threw that sinker a lot more. He hasn't thrown it as much, but it's still his, his bread and butter go-to pitch. He was getting ground ball outs last night. And you could tell that when the sinker is working and when he can, he knows where it's going, uh, he's, he's pretty tough to beat. Yeah. He rolled those two uh, big double plays in the first two innings to get out of jams. And then it was just kind of, he was not on cruise control. You know, he had a couple other tough innings, but he was, you know, he was in command after that, especially that double play in the second inning, great turn by uh, Clement. Uh, kind of a, you know, a double clutch on the feed from uh, Jose Ramirez and uh, Clement. That that's a weird turn, isn't it? He's almost yeah. parallel to the ground when he when he kind of pushes off second base and 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 throws it. You know, I, I, he's done that a couple times. Right. Yeah. We we've seen uh, Clement really show uh, an, an ability to adapt and be versatile with his glove and and just sort of on, on every on play. He'll make all the plays. In, in, in that are not the routine ones. He'll make them in those ways. Uh, the, the hook slide that he made on the double on the, the ground out in the seventh inning to, to get out of the seventh, the ground ball by Nicky Lopez. Uh, you know, I thought that was, that was a really interesting play too. He got out to this, this ball in, in short right field, slid around it, made a, a spin and then really just sort of flicked the ball to Owen Miller who made a nice pick on the other end. And, you know, he knew he had to get rid of the ball early because Nicky Lopez runs the bases pretty well. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a Robbie Alomar type play. You know, those are those are the guys that do those kind of things. And you see, uh, you know, so that's and this, you know, he can play all over the diamond. Uh, you know, uh, DeMarlo Hale called him kind of a super utility player. And then he hits one out of the park, too, Joe. So uh, big night for Ernie. It was good to see. You know, he kind of lost a lot of playing time when he went on the uh, mm -hmm. IL for an illness. And we still don't know if it was COVID or, or whatever it was, but he was on the COVID-19 uh, related injury list. He said he didn't know what it was, what it was, but he was in bed for two days. He couldn't get out of bed for two days, whatever it was. Yeah, he, he missed nearly two weeks uh, of playing time. And, and you're right. Uh, he, he was sort of starting to settle in there. Yeah, uh, in, in sort of a, a regular spot for Hale, but then after those two weeks, it's been it's been a struggle for him to get back to where he was. 
Uh, interesting fact, all three of his home runs that he's hit this season uh, have come off a left-handed hitter. So, you know, maybe there's something to that super utility role where if you're a lefty specialist, maybe you can, you know, find your, your, your role there for, for the Indians uh, in the next, you know, season or, or, or two for Ernie Clement. Uh, he's just got a great attitude. And uh, I take it back to uh, something we were, we were in Detroit uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, and we were talking to Tom Hamilton and Hamilton uh, told us a story about being on the, the team <laughs> bus with Ernie Clement. And it just that, that you wouldn't think about, you wouldn't realize it to talk to him. And in his post-game interviews, he doesn't really, you know, sound like uh, like this. But but he's just a really animated guy. It, it comes out in bursts. But uh, Tom told us a story that that we won't share hundred percent of the content of the story. But he just said he kind of looked around and he's like, "That was Ernie Clement doing that on the bus." And and it was it was just sort of funny to think about uh, this kind of quiet, kind of goes about his business guy who's got all this personality and energy and. Uh, you know, I think uh, he's, he's the kind of kind of guy that every club needs to have one of those guys on the bench. Yeah, uh, you know, Hammy was saying that, uh, you know, most rookies, you know, keep your, uh, keep your mouth shut and your eyes and ears open. Uh, but I guess Ernie might not be like that uh, behind, in, the, in the locker room and on the team bus. Yeah, that, that gets everybody going when, you know, oh, oh hey, the, <laughs> that's Clement saying that kind of stuff. It was funny. Uh, the, the story was very funny. Uh, anyways, uh, without giving away too much of it because it would get us in trouble. But I uh, want to tell you that we talked to Shane Bieber um, before the game. We were on the field, and Bieber came off after throwing a bullpen. Of course, he had a, a, a good outing on Sunday uh, for the, the Rubber Ducks, and we talked about the possibility of him getting back on the mound here before the end of this homestand. Yeah, it sure seems like all signs are pointing to uh, uh, Shane Bieber pitching sometime this weekend, and he's lined up to pitch Friday. The Indians haven't announced their starter for Friday against the White Sox. But, uh, you know, I think if, if all goes well coming off the Tuesday, uh, you know, Tuesday's bullpen session, uh, you know, DeMarlo Hale said they would, you know, kind of put their heads together, uh, talk to Bieber, the Indians pitching coaches and their pitching group. And I would think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts uh, Friday and, uh, you know, against the White Sox and uh, kind of a, 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 you know, at least uh, an interesting setting. It, it'll definitely be, uh, you know, a, a competitive setting with the White Sox, you know, coming into town with a chance to, well, you know, eventually they're going to clinch, you know, so it, right. and it's probably going to happen this, this sometime this weekend. Well, we'll find out, um, you know, whether or not the Indians play today will we'll factor into when the um, the White Sox can clinch. If the Indians don't play today, then the White Sox can't clinch until uh, at least the opening game of the uh, doubleheader on uh, Thursday, the scheduled doubleheader on Thursday. But right now, weather is sort of putting a, a monkey wrench in the whole works there. Uh, but you're right. Uh, for Bieber, it was interesting to hear him uh, talk about going down to, to pitch at Akron and, and bounce around and pitch all over the place uh, in these these rehab assignments. Uh, and then he said he was there on the, the day that uh, Akron clinched their postseason berth. He pitched the first three innings 
and then left the park. And after he, he bought the champagne for them to, uh, to to celebrate, but didn't stick around to celebrate with them. I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah, well, he left, and they, they were trailing when he left because he gave up the three runs. So they were down, and uh, the Ducks had to come back in a rally in the, in the eighth inning to win it. And uh, Bieber, you know, supplied the bubbly. So I thought that was pretty cool. And that's usually, you know, what those big league guys do when they go on rehab, say either by the clubhouse, you know, the whole team team dinner, or in this case, you know, I guess you supply the champagne to spray around the locker room. Uh, and uh, I thought that was kind of cool. That was, that was a, a nice gesture by Bieber. Well, hopefully the, uh, the Indians, you know, in, in an ideal situation, I think the Indians would like to not have the, the White Sox clinch their uh, division championship here at Progressive Field, uh, either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, Sunday. Um, but that would take uh, a monumental effort. Not unheard of, though, because the Indians did that last year at this time, uh, yeah. you know, sweeping a series against the White Sox and, and sort of, you know, messing up their postseason plans uh, at the time. Uh, however, uh, it's a lot more, more difficult this year with uh, the White Sox being in the position that they are and, you know, the Indians obviously not playing with a, a completely full deck of uh, – of pitchers and, uh, you know, position players. Uh, we wanted to get into and talk about, you know, just what the, the White Sox coming in, what that means for, for this year, but not only for this year, but for next season as well. Uh, the um, potential that, you know, the White Sox are sort of built right now for a long run of success at the top of the, uh, the AL Central. Uh, we, we've talked about some of the players that they've, they've developed and brought in, uh, you talk about Jan Moncada, who who now is a, a veteran guy. I mean, we we were seeing him pretty regularly against the Indians as a rookie and experiencing all of his sort of rookie struggles and as a young player and all of the strikeouts. And and now he's one of the better hitters in the American League. Uh, you've got Tim Anderson, who's a dynamic and a spark plug at the top of the lineup. Luis Robert, who I don't think has even scratched the potential of what he can do with his power, but he's he's definitely already a, you know a, a top five guy in center field in terms of uh, speed and glove, uh, and just a whole cast of other uh, players that that match up pretty well, and as long as they stay healthy, uh, they can they can do a lot of damage. Yeah, and I was just uh, thinking, Joe, can the Indians realistically? contend with the White Sox next year? Can they, can they play with them? And I guess, you know, obviously, you know, I think they, they would have been right there this year if their pitching had, their starting pitching had stayed healthy and they didn't, you know, lose, uh, you know, Bieber and, and, uh, and uh, you know, that's, you know, Bieber and, uh, yeah, Plesak and, and Savali, you know, within, you know, that one month of each other, almost a month of, in a month's time. So I think they would have done that, but I'm wondering, uh, you know, are we going to see a, a run by the White Sox, you know, where they win three straight, like the Twins, you know, like the Indians did the pass, the Twins won two straight, I think. Now is it, the, is it Chicago's turn? And, uh, you know, I think, I think this could be, the Indians have a chance to be much, much more competitive next year. But I wonder about the offense, Joe. I wonder if they have guys to match, like you, those guys you were, you were naming. 
Do they have a Moncada? Do they have a Roberts? Do they have a Tim Anderson? Do they have a Jimenez, you know, in the outfield? You know, do, do they have a Madrigal, you know, uh, a kid that really was a good second baseman, got hurt, and was lost for the season for the White Sox? Right, and then you look over at what the White Sox did with their pitching rotation, and they, they developed guys like Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon and Lucas Giolito, and, and those guys are our top guys now uh, in, in their rotation. And then they, they brought in veterans, Dallas Keuchel, Lance Lynn, to, to sort of fill those gaps. Uh, and their bullpen is, is – and Garrett Crochet, the, you know, the big lefty who throws 100 miles an hour. Uh, yeah, they've got pieces there for, for a long you know, run. Uh, like you said, the Indians matching up offensively. Do they have anybody like a Moncada? Well, they might have some young players who are, are developing, but do they have enough time to, to develop into those kind of hitters? Uh, it took the, the White Sox a few years of struggling with Moncada and sticking with them. Uh, are the Indians patient enough to do that? Well, I think they're patient enough, but I think they're going to have a chance to compete. I, I just don't know. You know, like if you look at maybe their lineup, you know, the, the uh, White Sox have a Abreu, the Indians have Ramirez, you know, those kind of solid – you know, kind of cornerstone players in the middle of your lineup. But, you know, after that, you know, what have we seen from the Indians? Who can, you know, have we seen guys, you know, Fran Mill, you know, obviously, yeah, you know, he's a 30, a legitimate 30, 35 homer uh, guy, you know, a year. But the rest, the rest of the lineup, I wonder about, Joe. I, I, I wonder if they've got, you know, uh, do they have uh, a, another Jose Ramirez? Do they have, you know, is Gabriel Arias a guy like that? Or are there too many young guys that, like you said, are going to take two or three years, regardless of their talent level, to get established in the big leagues and produce in the big leagues? Well, the one nice thing that they do have going for them is they've got a, a, a pitching rotation that's pretty much primed and ready to go for next season uh, as is. Uh, they've got questions in the, the bullpen sort of in the middle, but at the back end, I think if you get Karen Chak right, you've got Karen Chak and Class A at the back end and you're, you're in good shape. They've played the White Sox very well head-to-head -head this year. What's the, the, the seven and seven? They've split 14 games. Seven and seven so far this year. Uh, that's, that's better than I expected uh, to see that, that record at. Um, they've been very competitive with them so that they, so they know – how to beat the, not just how to beat the White Sox, but how to beat these individual players, uh, you know, and what they do. They, they know how to pitch to Jose Abreu as long as they're not hitting him in the side of the helmet. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, they can be competitive because that familiarity is there. And that's a and good they, point. You play what you play each other 19 times. You're going to, you're going to have a really a, a working knowledge of those each other. You're going to have detailed knowledge of, of each other. And, uh, that's a good point. And, you know, the Indians have kind of owned the White Sox until this year, you know, for the last three, four, five years, they've, done, they've, they've, they've knocked them around ever since really Terry Francona became manager. They've had a big mm -hmm. edge in the, in, you know, the, the season series, but uh, this year obviously is different. Yeah. And, and don't forget about uh, Detroit coming up uh, as well. The Indians right now are trying to fend off Detroit for yeah. uh, just second place in the division. So, uh, it, it next season could be, you know, if you've got your eyes on the prize and you're looking at what Chicago is and, and where they are and wanting to be there, 
uh, you know, don't get too focused because you can get passed over by by Detroit at some point, uh, which, you know, with a, a young team with with good young starting pitching as well. All right, Hoinsey, uh, we will find out later if we if we do indeed have a game today uh, to play. And if not, it looks like the possibility of uh, a game on the make on the on the off day uh, scheduled on Monday uh, between these two teams. It, it's just a, a weird situation weird schedule with this weather uh the indians and royals set to play tonight that game could get washed out we could be playing again uh, uh in cleveland on monday and then uh opening a, a series back in kansas city uh the following yeah, that's day that's weird yeah i wonder if they just um, it would make too much sense for them just to play you know the whole if they do get rained out uh, play the game up monday in kansas city but i guess you don't want to lose a gate if well i mean you don't want to you would have to play a double header maybe monday or, or not, yeah. not monday you'd have to play uh you could play a double header tuesday right if you do that that would who knows but uh all right we will uh be back with you again on uh thursday here on the cleveland baseball talk podcast points we'll talk to you then all right joe